I absolutely love my job and I love the people that I work with. And I said, you can get paid in this world to do almost anything. We don't want to have to look at pictures and read when we can, when we can just press play. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Must See a Man About a Dog podcast, where I chat to people about anything but platitudes. It's a huge shit sandwich and we're all going to have to take a bite. On today's episode, we have Steve Wright, who's a videographer and digital content creator. He runs a video production company in the southwest of England, works for a social media and marketing company, and if that didn't keep him busy enough, manages to squeeze in time to focus on his YouTube channel called Learning Online Video. Joining Steve is Colin C. Thompson, a founder and CEO of Oligi Enterprises in Shanghai. Specialising in personal development, relocation and career coaching, Colin coaches individuals and groups on how to reach their dreams, goals and desires. Completing the group is Alexandra Jenkins. She's a learning and development specialist in the horticultural industry. Alex specialises in business and personal development and uses her training in the creative arts to help influence her work. My name is Elisa and I'm your host. Hi everyone, welcome to Must See a Man About a Dog very interesting panel on today's show and I think with everything that's been going on uh, over the last few months in the world uh, it makes sense to start with you Colin you're joining us from Shanghai how's how's everything I'm doing great it's Friday it is great we're just we're just getting we're getting as you know we're getting through a, a tough time here so everybody's doing great for the last few months yeah no definitely so how's it been for you well I think as it's been for most people in the world the first few months were a little bit sketchy especially being here in China where you couldn't get news about it before it hit. Um, so uh, it, it was a little rough in, in the beginning, but we quickly got used to it by following the regulations and recommendations here. So by, by April, things were starting to get back to normal. And by May, things are right, right back to normal. And how has that affected your coaching business? You know, it's very interesting because when this first hit, uh, around January 23rd, uh, we were in my wife and I and son were in a different part of China. We came back home to Shanghai in case the airlines shut down, in case they locked the city down. We wanted, we wanted to make sure that we were here at home in our safe place. I also notified some clients that for the next couple of weeks, we're going to put a pause in coaching because our first priority is absolutely on protecting our family and understanding more about the coronavirus. So all the clients agreed because most here in China also wanted to monitor what was taking place. But it's very interesting uh, this question because around three weeks later, mid mid February, I started getting a lot of uh, contacts from ex clients, ex colleagues, friends, and family members, pretty much saying, "Hey, Colin, um, I need some coaching because I've been trapped at home with my family for about three weeks, and I'm about to kill my spouse. I'm about to kill my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can understand that. I, I can't, I can't Amen, get my brother. work done. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my work done. So really, we went into a different sort of coaching mode. Instead of coaching you for how to achieve a goal six months from now, we started coaching people on how to maintain a strong mindset during this time, how to be productive during this time, how to create an environment where people have open communication in your household during this time. So it was a very busy time for, for coaching. Now, 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 because we're doing it, a lot of it was done pro bono. So it wasn't a big time to make money, but it was a big time to really do a lot of coaching. Well, it's been particularly difficult for me. I've got two young children um, who are at home as well. 
Um, so working full time and looking after them has been a new challenge. And I absolutely am adding this to my CV once this is all over, um, because it is a life skill um, doing that at the same time and being confined and dealing with the pressures of everything else. So I can't say it's been easy, but there have been positives that come out of it for me. I love the fact I can spend more time with my family. I, I do like the fact that I can spend more time with my husband, but I completely agree with your client there, Colin, that there have been times that it has been very challenging. And I and now I anyone who works with their spouse, I think, has got some kind of skill that I do not possess because that is that is the ultimate thing isn't it 24 hours a day with the person that you've decided to spend your life with it's been challenging it's been stressful but there have been some good parts as well and you know there's light at the end of the tunnel so I think I think I've grown from it I I feel you because I am in exactly the same position here actually I have two small children two daughters uh, three and four and obviously, ever since you know COVID arrived, there's there's been no school, which has meant that I've not been able to work. Fortunately, I have a wife who's also very helpful, and uh, we 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 kind of split we kind of split things, you know. But um, yeah, that that I mean, you know, we're up at six a.m. and to be honest, we don't really get any form of rest until eight p.m. when they go to sleep. <laughs> but, uh, so it is it's very difficult to do anything productive, to get any any kind of work done or anything like that. We we kind of do ships. Maybe she'll have them for two hours and I'll have them for two hours. But you know, you can find to the home. So um, there's only so much you can do. So. Uh, yeah, we kind of just uh, share the workload and yeah, just try and try and keep it positive. You know, we, the, the girls are, are doing great, um, and it is what it is. And fortunately, we're in the southwest of England on the outskirts of Dartmoor, so we do have the option of just sort of, you know, hiking out um, into the middle of total isolation. Um, so we're, we're pretty blessed um, given our location. And and Colin, I know. So you know, you've been doing all this coaching for other people and you know helping them through the through all of this what about you how have you been feeling <laughs> have you needed to coach yourself <laughs> uh, well, well let me tell you something coaching yourself never works <laughs> because you know yourself you know if i could coach myself i'd be about five kilos lighter trust me okay <laughs> if I to coach myself but it's very interesting because when we first heard about this and again there was no news elsewhere in the world because this was the original uh, outbreak here in china uh, my biggest concern was my wife and our, at, at the time our five month month old baby, and she went totally, you know, ham. Right? She went totally crazy because she was watching the news every day, twenty four hours a day. And at that at that time, all you heard was how many people died today, how many more people were getting infected, and how many were getting infected in your neighborhood, in your in your district. So she was really, really, really concerned, and we had to put together some quite rigorous uh, disinfection process for whenever I came back in the house. Because, of course, her and my child were not leaving the house. They didn't, they didn't go outside for four weeks. So they were inside the house 24-7. But luckily, as I mentioned, you know, the transition from our house into an office, into a gym, into a movie theater, into a spa, into everything was fairly easy because it's just us and a five-month-old son. But the, what I think what saved us, was her saying to me one day that she's really getting anxious and really getting nervous. And we talked about how to get past that. And the solution was, you know, after trying a few things, the solution was for her to only watch the news for about 20 minutes a day. Um, a little bit in the morning, 
a little bit in the evening, and that was it. That helped her to really feel better. What helped me feel better was one, her being better because I didn't have to worry about her spazzing out or just being being very concerned. Was as I said, people calling me and asking me to help them. So my time, I just filled my time really helping people here, helping people in the U.S. And time flew and it didn't really give me a chance to get nervous. But each person I coached, it helped me to sort of, uh, I guess you could say, become a little COVID expert because at that point it wasn't. It wasn't just coaching, but also was when you come back inside, how do you wash your hands? How do you keep your house protected from the virus? So um, luckily talking to other people helped the time pass for me tremendously. I, I agree with the with the news limiting thing as well. I did the same with myself because when it got when it was at its peak here and there was just constant news updates about numbers and figures, uh, you know, I had to do the same. I said, right, well, I, I'll watch I'll watch any important update that comes on in the evening, but I'm not logging on. I'm turning the notifications off on my phone because then that's all you think about. And it wasn't healthy. And it does. It it means that you have this negative um, outset, you know, when you wake up in the morning, if that's the first thing you see. So I did exactly the same uh, limit the, the amount of news exposure when it was at its worst. There was a period during that time where every day I woke up, I just assumed that everything was a dream. I just thought, I had the weirdest nightmare last night. <laughs> I, felt, I, felt like I felt like I was living through a really bad Michael Bay movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Just, just breaking, breaking news. What, what, right. Seriously? Is this, is, is this actually, is this life? Is this happening? Right. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird because... I I love kind of zombie movies and apocalypse movies and things like that. And there were several times where I did the same. I woke up and I was like, what did I watch last night? What was I watching? Because yeah. that, that can't be real. Yeah, my problem was I'd wake up every day and say, wait a second, what day is it? Every day <laughs> felt like the same thing. Every, every day. Every, every, every day. It felt, it felt like somebody put the replay of the Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's like that yeah. bit between Christmas and New Year where you don't know what day it is, how much you're allowed to eat, what's acceptable to wear. Yeah. It's kind of that that weird transition period every day. Yeah. Yeah. Just no presents. No, no, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't know, my um, online shopping has increased significantly, so you know, there are presents arriving. Oh, wow, poor delivery drivers. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and it is like presents as well because you know it takes so long for anything to arrive that you forget what you've ordered and oh, you're yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> when did I order that? Oh, yeah, that must have been that must have been late night shopping because I don't remember ordering that. <laughs> That's the wine glass uh, shopping when you don't remember the wine glass shopping, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Colin, so. With your business coaching and life coaching, your company also um, sort of looks at blockchain technologies. Could you sort of let us know the, um, you know, what, what's... What, the connection. You know, what unites the two, yeah. Yeah, this is interesting because it's sort of two separate passions and two different companies. Uh, so with the coaching, I'll, I'll say really quickly how I got into coaching. I was always into motivation and inspiration. Uh, my, my passion is public speaking. So from a very, I want to say young age, from, you know, late teens or the 20s, I started looking at how I could improve my ability to speak and how it could influence others. Because a lot of people naturally, through my playing sports, 
ask me to help them get motivated. So I started coaching at IBM probably about five years ago. And for me, that was the missing piece, the last piece, meaning, look, I can motivate you three. I can motivate you all very good today. However, by Monday, by Tuesday, Wednesday, your motivation goes down and you're more than likely to return to your previous uh, way of working. So when you coach somebody, you with them, it's a partnership, you with them until they reach their goal. I found a piece I was missing because, of course, the goal is to help people. Now, the blockchain side, blockchain has been my, you know, I'm a little tech nerd. Uh, I have two degrees in, in IT and blockchain was my passion. I love disruptive technologies. And if you're familiar with the banking system, blockchain and cryptocurrencies have the potential to really disrupt uh, banking. They have the potential to disrupt supply chain in a positive way. So I said to myself, how can I sort of merge my two passions? And uh, my partner and I, we founded uh, an organization last year called Exchange.io, where we have a, a blockchain-based education platform. We focus on using AI to provide ass assessments to individuals who want to upskill. I think all of you know uh, the, the job market in the next few years will actually already started changing. Uh, you have to have a different set of skills, not so much just technical skills, but now you have to have soft skills too. Can you communicate well with your teammates? Can you guys collaborate together? So what we did is we designed, we used AI to design assessments that will help you clearly identify what skills you need, what training you need, and what coaching you need. So we give, we provide a roadmap from how you go from where you are, and if you have a skill gap in the area, we provide you with that that roadmap to upskill. And the difference between our platform, even say another another training platform, is that AI-based assessment. Well, these assessments are based on your personality, based on input you submit, and we sort of customize these for you. So the plan you get increases your ability to to really upskill and have the, the skills you need for the job market in the 21st century. Wow, that's really on point with everything that recruiters are looking for. And what about you, Alex? Uh, you're in learning and development. Does that relate? Could you give us an insight into your world? So, yes. Yeah, so I, I work in um, learning and development and I work for um, a trade body for the horticultural industry. But what I what I do is I support that industry with learning and development opportunities and training. And part of what I do is personal development, appraisal process. So uh, the development for staff within different companies. Um, and I do use a lot of technology with in, in what I do uh, with LMS and e-learning and, and things like that. But yeah, Colin, that sounds particularly in really interesting. That, that soft skill element, I think, is, is particularly important. And it's something that is really hard to get that information. Um, and I think I, I found that in every industry that I've worked in, you can, you can easily identify the the hard skills that you might need for a role but actually those soft skills are particularly difficult to identify especially really if you don't know much about yourself and the way that you present yourself and I think a lot of people especially those that may not have gone through university education haven't had to look at themselves like that in a in their uh, career they just you know quite often you fall into a job and then you progress and you change but you haven't really had to identify what skills you really need it's kind of just been a bit more organic um, and that makes it harder then for a lot of people to really progress to the levels they want to because they're just not aware of it 
Yeah, that is spot on. And if you think about something, and maybe it hits home, um, I work for IBM, and IBM used to be a lifelong company, meaning people worked there for 20, 30 years. Well, that's not the way it works now. So a lot of over the past few years, a lot of people were let go who had maybe 20 years in one organization. They now move to another company. And let's say, for example, they're about 45 years old, and their manager and their team are late 20s, uh, mid early 30s. It's hard sometimes for them to really understand how to work with them as a team. So how do you teach somebody, t- you know, teamwork? How to how to work with a team and how to have creativity within the team when that's just not their background and they have to know these things, you know, going into because you know these job interviews these days are so different from when we were interviewing, right? We they didn't really ask you about teamwork. They said, give us an example of teamwork. They didn't really, you know, give you some really hard scenarios to talk your way through. So it's now really important that a lot of people who are, I would say, older um, really understand how to develop those soft skills, motivate, motivation, goal setting, uh, emotional intelligence. It's very challenging, but luckily there are platforms and training that they can do to help them bridge that gap. And Steve, if I could bring you in here, because uh, you work as a freelancer, um, you know, how does that translate in terms of teamwork and motivation? Yeah, so um, I have I've, I have a lot of things going on at the moment, actually. Um, I run a video production company. I, I work for a social media marketing agency. And also uh, I've started teaching as well, helping people learn. And I'm, I'm starting to pass on my knowledge um, to others via a YouTube channel, um, creating videos about how to make videos. (laughs) So, I mean, teamwork's crucial, really, with with what I do, because I I can't create content without others. I mean, well, technically I can, but, um, you know, to to do anything on scale, you know, just when it comes to video production, you've got cameramen, sound operators, producers, directors, editors, researchers. So, um, yeah, teamwork's really, really important. And I I don't want to be... you know, the, the jack of all trades and the master of none. I think it's really important that you collaborate with people who specialize in, in certain aspects of certain things because that, that that's what they do. So, um, yeah, when I whenever I can collaborate, obviously budget dependent, who I want to work with and who, who I can afford, who I can afford to work with the two different things. Um, but, yeah, of course, when I can, I, I'm always looking to work with people who specialize in, in certain aspects of filmmaking and video production and just using their skill set the best I can to create the best content I can really Mm, and how did you get into that uh so I mean originally I started in television actually I did a master's degree in television production thinking yes I want to be a tv director working in London that's that's the big dream but this this was back in 2008 and it was the year I did the master's actually everything sort of changed more online you know so I think YouTube launched in 2006 so by 2008 it had gone from you know a couple of years of just a place where everybody posts their cat videos to uh, a, a, a place where I, I noticed that brands were starting to create content and they were going viral um, so up until that point television was kind of the end goal but I could see whilst I was doing my masters that actually the landscape was changing and that more brands were sort of putting their marketing budget into online video production. And I just thought, you know what, I I can't see this ever going away, online video production. You know, it just seems like something that's just starting out. And uh, I worked in television for a while, but I just went all in on online video production in the end. I I set up a a video production company 
uh, offered businesses videos that can advertise their product or service. And it ended up being really popular, I think just more because of the timing of it all, you know. Up until that point, companies were going to television production companies and asking them to produce three-minute videos for their website or their Facebook page or Instagram or wherever it may be. And they were being charged an absolute fortune. You know, I, I, I went in for a meeting one day and quoted for a, a video that someone, a company had been quoted for by a television production company. It was about £30,000 because, you know, that they have such big overheads and such huge teams. Um, and I was able to basically produce the exact same video for a fraction of the cost. So it was a lot to do with timing. And now looking at passing on all of this knowledge, everything that I've learned over the last decade when it comes to online video production, and I'm trying to sort of condense everything that I've, I've learned into a YouTube channel to help others learn and, and master the art of, of online video production. And what's the transition been like from working behind the camera and promoting other brands to effectively being in front of the camera um, for your YouTube videos? Yeah, I, d- I don't really look at it in, in any different way, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm quite judgmental on myself you know so I don't I don't really care who's in front of the camera if anything I'm more harsh on myself than I am others <laughs> I mean I'll, I'll, I'll quite often take a, a five minute video and turn it into a three minute video and just cut all the fluff you know I, I've, got, I've built up a bit of a reputation of just delivering clear and concise information the problem with YouTube these days is that um, people tend to try and drag out their content so they'll they, they could probably do it in five minutes, but they drag it out to 10 because they want they want to get that extra watch time, you know. Oh, so much fluff on YouTube. There's, there's so much fluff. And I, I, I literally have a zero faff policy on my YouTube channel. And it is, what also bugs me is you click on a YouTube video because of the title and they don't actually get to the title to eight minutes into the oh. video. It, it... I, I spend more time skipping videos in YouTube to the point that I want them than actually watching them. Because you're right, because the content is never where you expect it to be on a video. And you, yeah, you end up just kind of scrolling along going, is it there yet? Is it there yet? Yeah. And we, you know, we, we also live in a world now, don't we, where we just expect information so much quicker. You know, we have we, we have shorter attention spans. <laughs> That's the reality. We're, we're, we're a bit lazy. We just want that information at the click of a button, which is why video is so powerful. You know, we don't want to have to look at pictures and read when we can when when, when we can just press play. <laughs> I think the, the point, actually, though, it it. It exists across all elements now. I mean, I've certainly noticed a the need with training to be shorter. I, I could create a piece of e-learning that would be 60 minutes long originally and have all the content and everyone would be happy with that. Now needs to be 20. Otherwise, people just will not even bother, you know, clicking on it or, or going through to it. And, and bite-sized training is now the way to go, you know, and I think it comes a lot from the way that we do use social media, you know, Instagram stories now being the, the most popular way of people posting on on the platform. And they're, what, 15 seconds long uh, at a maximum? You know, we're used to getting that now so quickly, getting the short snippet that, I, you know, it falls across then all forms of communication and, and certainly me for training. Otherwise, people won't won't take it on. You know, you have to be more interactive. You can't just present information like you used to people expect to be entertained to 
be able to interact with the information like you you never did before and that makes it a lot harder i think when you're creating content but aren't we part of the problem then to make you know if, if we know that people's span attention span is five minutes then we have to sort of dummy down the content and just you know i'm catered to that as opposed to the fact that it needs to be longer we're part of the problem because we're catering to this now having said that if you want business you have to do that but, I, but i'm severely conflicted because i think well, i think we're part of the problem equally though there's so much out there that actually you know are we the part of the pro- problem in terms of that we don't want to concentrate long enough on one piece or is it because we want to see what else is out there learn more from others but to do that you know there's only so much time you have in a day <laughs> we are doing lots of things at once So I may be cooking dinner and looking at something on YouTube and watching the kids and maybe answering a work email. And you aren't always just doing one thing. And so that quite often, I think, will influence the amount of time that we're willing to give to each thing. What what I've started to do, actually, is a a bit of a filter system, because ultimately you want someone to be excited about learning. And so what I've started experimenting with is a bit of a filter system. So I'll create a piece of content, which is, say, three minutes, maybe five minutes, which is kind of a, call it a mini masterclass on a particular subject, for example. The idea being that someone will watch that and get really excited about whatever this subject is. And then at the end of that video, I'll say, if you are interested in this subject and you'd like to learn more than I have a 60 minute masterclass available here. You can watch that video below because if you just chuck an hour long video at someone, it's a bit like throwing someone in the deep end of the pool. You know, they're going to, they're going to flap around for a bit. They're going to call for the lifeguard and they're going to ask to get out and go home and say it was the worst experience of their life. Whereas if you put them in the, the shallow end, maybe with some inflatables and get them all excited about the pool, eventually they'll swim down to the deep end and they'll, they'll have a great time. So it's, 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 yeah, it's exciting people. And then once you've got them to a stage where they're excited about a particular subject, then it's a much easier sell to give them some more intense training. Yeah, people want to be entertained in that way. and They need to be motivated in that way. Uh, I guess, Colin, in a way, that's what coaching is. Um, I had some speech problems when I, was, when I was young. So I always admired people who could get in front of them for people and speak, speak clearly and move people. And I've always tried to um, be, not be an inspiration, but really try to be able to motivate people from, from my speaking and you know what they're trying to achieve. So luckily, when I learned about coaching, that was the last piece of the puzzle on how to not just motivate people, but how to help them to really achieve their goals and improve their lives and the lives of their family. So for me, it was like a major aha moment because it's just kind of funny. About four or five years ago, I was watching something on YouTube and there was a, a woman who took some, some paper and just started cracking the paper. And she had all these viewers and she was making money. And all she was doing was putting fresh paper in her hand and crushing the paper. And I said, wait a second. You get paid for this? And I did some research, and people are getting paid to open boxes, to tape boxes up. And I said, you can get paid in this world to do almost anything. You can shovel poo-poo and get paid. You can walk dogs and get paid. You can, you can, you can, you can, I mean, literally, you can get paid to do almost anything. So I said, look, if I can get paid to do almost anything, I'm going to get paid to speak. I'm such an advocate of what you just said there, Colin, which is just, we, we now live in a world where we are perfectly able to make a living out of anything we choose we, re- we really really are and it, it does frustrate me a lot when 
people don't see that or just don't do anything about it. I've got friends who work in all different types of industries, lawyers, doctors, some some work in the trade and every now and again sit and have a drink with a mate. And I, they would say to me, oh, I've had the worst week. I hate my job. <laughs> you know, they're living for the weekend. They're dreading Monday mornings. And I'm just like, this is a massive percentage of your life that you're unhappy with here. And, and bearing in mind, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 37 now. I was having these conversations back when I was in my late 20s with, with friends. And I was saying to them, you know, in five years, you can be anything you want. Any, well, m- maybe not an astronaut, but you could pretty much be anything you want. Essentially, what you're saying is that you've accepted your terrible career choice. You know, your words, not mine. Um, and you, you're now going to spend, what, the next 30, 40 years of your life just miserable going to work every day? And you're like, yeah, essentially. I'm like, that's, that's insane. That's insane. You, like, if, you're, if, you're, if you are unhappy with, with what you're doing work-wise these days, there's no reason why you can't change that and do something that you're really passionate about. That is exactly why I stayed with learning and development. So um, Elisa will know because we went to university together. I have a background in. Yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we studied choreography, and um, I have a background in in performance and dance and um, kind of creative arts. And I fell into learning and development quite young, but the reason I love it is because I love watching people develop and grow and become something they want to do and achieve something they didn't know that they could achieve, and. I love that and that is what I'm passionate about and that's why I do it and I never wake up on a Monday morning and go I don't I don't want to go to work I might wake up on a Monday morning and go god I'm tired I wish the kids hadn't woken me up so early or you know but I absolutely love my job and I love the people that I work with and that is more important to me than status or money or whatever industry it is the fact that I feel good about what I do and I love it and I don't regret the time that I spend doing it I think is what everyone should aim for and it doesn't mean I'm not saying that everyone should be what their their actual you know dream was like you say an astronaut everyone should be able to become an astronaut because that's their dream I think everyone should find something that they're passionate about so that they they enjoy their everyday did you guys know that in, in the U.S. at least, Monday mornings, more people have heart attacks than any other day in the week. And that oh is, yes, that's because they're going into job situations that they hate. So these people, their jobs literally are killing them, okay? <laughs> literally, these jobs are killing them. So this, which is why it's very important, as you guys point out, to really identify what your passion is. And if you're fortunate, if you're lucky, if you have a little savings, if you can afford to, make that pivot you know it's never it's never too late to make that pivot to something that's much more rewarding absolutely and i and i i i have a lot of empathy and and appreciate that some people are given different opportunities and some people are in a, a tougher situation you know whether you're a single parent or whatever your situation may be that makes it a bit more complicated for you to do that but it you know it comes down to how much you want it you know how unhappy are you with your current lifestyle and career choice because I, I really do think that, you know, pretty much regardless of your situation in this day and age, you are able to make change. And I think, you know, it's about being open to those opportunities and kind of seeing them and just, you know, allowing yourself to explore those. And I, I, I think a lot of people worry a lot about failing, about not succeeding, whatever that top goal might be. And that's, you know, sometimes failing is the best thing that you can possibly do because it does lead to another opportunity. So that doesn't mean that you still can't be 
really happy. You've just got to find the right guidance to then be able to find that happiness where you thought it might not have been in the first place. And that's a great point to end on. Thank you to Alex, Steve and Colin for joining me today. So, what have we learned from today's episode? Well, that life is all about motivation. Whether you're being motivated to view more content online, reach your goal in business, or develop yourself in your career. Interestingly though, we always seem to rely on others to motivate us, and perhaps once in a while we should give everyone else a day off and push ourselves to become better versions of ourselves. Because you can have all the fun you want splashing in shallow water, but you'll never feel truly immersed until you go to the deep end. Come on, put your tickets, bring the sugar.